Get the scoop on Tigers today. Welcome uh, back to Tigers SRD here on the Tigers Minor League Report Network. I think that's what Rahelio always says. Uh, I'm here, Chris Brown, here with uh, Uper, and Rahelio is on assignment in West Michigan. He's, uh, you know, he's had a, a whirlwind week uh, traveling down to Lakeland to catch a couple games uh, for the Flying Tigers down there. And right now, as we speak, he's in uh, Comstock Park. Basically, Grand Rapids watching the West Michigan Whitecaps. And, uh, you know, so he just handed uh, duties over to me. And it's me and you here. We're going to try to guide you through the last week of Tigers baseball. So hopefully we do it right. I don't know what else I have to plug. I think he usually says, hey, find us on various podcasting platforms. Uh, yep. Google Play, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, all that good stuff. I, I assume that if you're listening to this on a podcast, you already know where to get podcasts. But I guess it's something we got to say. So anyway, you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm all stretched out and ready to go. Coming <laughs> off the cycle of PEDs here. <laughs> there ready, you go. Ready to get the uh, podcast cranked up. You know, I do take exception. We say Roger's on assignment. I wonder how many beers and nachos were involved with this assignment. <laughs> That's we'll have to we'll have to ask him later. Yeah, I don't know. I we actually did uh, just as a quick early aside. We also went to a Tigers game this past weekend uh, on Saturday. I've mentioned it a thousand times on the show before, but I, I might as well do it again. That, that my wife's cousin is Alex Kirilov on the, and he plays for the Minnesota Twins. Ah. And uh, so he was up in the majors, and he, he was struggling for the first couple of weeks. It was one of those things where, uh, you know, they say like, "Oh, he's hitting it hard; they're just not falling." And but and now we can quantify that, and it was absolutely true. He was crushing the ball; it was yep. just always like you know two feet from the wall. And then he went off against the Rangers. I think four home runs in a weekend. Yep. So. You know, we're family. We're super excited. We we <laughs> go cool. and we we buy four tickets for the Twins game uh, against the Tigers on Saturday, and we get them as close to the visitor dugout in first base as possible because we figured that's where he'll be playing. We're going to yell at him and say hi and wave to yeah. him and all that good stuff. And then he injures his wrist. Ugh. But we had already already had the tickets, and my wife and her mother and my son my son probably would have come, but uh, yeah, my wife and her mother were like, no, no, thanks, fair weather baseball fans. So, <laughs> so I, I got uh, Rahelio and our good friends uh, Mark Gorash and Brandon Day, and we we went and had a made a day of it. And as as it turns out, it was one of the Tigers' better offensive performances of the year, and and really we've seen that for about the last week or so. This has probably been their best stretch of baseball all season. It really has been uh, in terms of lengthening, you know, lengthening lengths to it. Um, but it's interesting. It's it's a it's a it's led by a bunch of singles. <laughs> yes. So, uh, it's not a it's not a home run barrage where they're getting, you know, an inordinate amount of fence scrapers and just getting by. They're actually piecing together some rallies, which is interesting because you know when you look at the go up and down the, the order of, of the batting averages <laughs> and you see the 180s and the 140s and the 112s, how do you ever uh, piece together a, a lengthy rally in any kind of sequence? But this week they've been able to do it. Yeah, and, and they've been walking at a much higher rate than mm -hmm. in past games. At that game we went to, I, I think 
Willie Castro and Nico Goodrum both had a couple walks and, and Robbie Grossman is walking and, and now he's hitting in addition to his walks. And so, yeah, I mean, even, even Miguel Cabrera is chipping in some singles now. It, it's, and Candelario has been hot. So we've seen some of the bats. You're still kind of waiting for Willie Castro to do something. Um, and, uh, and Jonathan Scope has, has heated up a little bit, but it's still, still isn't doing, uh, you know, hitting for power. So he seems but, late. He seems late yeah. on a lot of pitches. Well, yeah, and there's there's a, a question that we'll get to a little bit later, but I, I just wonder how much basically moving to first base is messing with him at the plate. I, I don't know. You know, yeah. you, you assume these are big leaguers and they can handle it, but I I think we've seen it before where anytime a guy is, is stretched defensively, it kind yeah. of carries over. They say, you know, don't take your bat at, uh, at bats into the field with you, but I think sometimes the, it, it goes the other way too. But. Oh, sure. It's you know it's a lot of stress. I, I would I would see that. I can see that. But uh, it wasn't just the offense. We've we've seen the starting pitching has remained pretty solid. We we mm-hmm. uh, I think we got to see Tarek Skubal's best start in the last week. Uh, we've seen Matthew Boy with another excellent outing. Sp- uh, T- uh, Spencer Turnbull was really good today. He was. And and, and even Jose Reina, the game we went to, he wasn't. He was kind of one of those down starts you expect from a guy with a sinker ball. He, he gave up like nine hits was out in the fourth <laughs> inning, but uh, the bullpen was able to save him there. The rest, the rest of the week, the bullpen has been kind of an issue. The uh, boy, the, the first game against the Royals was very nearly one of the more epic collapses of the last few years. I think, what were they up seven, nothing or seven, nothing going into the uh, eighth. Yes. And uh, they had to get a walk off win, <laughs> which, Hey, you know, baseball, you, you, gave, you play nine innings for a reason, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, Narrow came in and he was, uh, he was finding the center of the plate with a lot. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so hard. And this is, this is going to touch a little bit uh, on, on something like a working theory of mine that I haven't done any research on and I'm probably entirely wrong, but it'll also, it'll lead us into our next topic, I think, which is uh, I've, I've kind of well. We all know that that finding consistent relievers is very difficult. Seeming like it, it just you know relievers can be very good one year and very bad mm-hmm. the next for reasons yep. that are hard to hard to explain. It's it's just a difficult thing to be able to go out there two or three nights in a row and, and throw hard and execute your pitches. But I kind of I have the sneaking suspicion that this is kind of a backwards way to look at it. But but major league teams that have a hard time piecing together a bullpen. I feel like that's a red flag for for their minor league development ability, ability if you will. Um, it's kind of like I said, it's kind of a, a funky way of thinking. But I always think, you know, there, there are hundreds and hundreds of really good arms out there. Yeah. And some teams just seem to be able to find a way to get make a guy more effective. Yeah. It's 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 a, in doing that at the in, in with major league bullpens. I mean, you're at the highest level, but it also seems like these are there's a certain subset of players you're choosing from where you mm-hmm. basically just have to make a little bit of, uh, of a tweak. And it's the organizations like the Rays or the Athletics that yep. you see consistently fielding good bullpens somehow. Padres. Yep. Yeah, Padres. And, and, you know, the Dodgers have had some issues, but they still find find these guys. And it makes me wonder, like, 
just if, if their ability to develop, if you will, at the major league level is a good sign of what they can do in the minors. And conversely, teams that <laughs> just forever will have terrible bullpens, it's a sign of, of they don't really know what they're doing. But like I said, just a working theory. Haven't looked into it. Don't know how I can even quantify it. And the thing with when you have when you talk about the Tigers and the decade long malaise of bullpen work, <laughs> it just we just never have that depth. Um you know, barn. It's just not there ever. Oh, yeah. I. You know what? I lost your. I lost your audio just a second ago. I don't know what happened there, but. Um, oh, I sorry. Think, no, it's it's probably not your fault, but. But I was just saying, you know, I think that the Tigers never have that depth of the fifth or sixth arm. You know, they're always. Mm-hmm. I've always had that two or three bullpen people that they rely on and they just never have, uh, they can never really extend beyond that. Yeah, no, it certainly feels that way. I think, you know, when I've done research back, I think the 2006 bullpen was the best one they had during that, that entire run of, of, you know, division winning and, and playoff teams. It was, and again, that, 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 that's kind of what's guiding my theory is that even under Dabrowski when the Tigers were very good, they weren't, developing players in the minors for the most part you know it was it's mostly trades and uh and he was yeah. excellent at that but uh but well, anyway, i think that- the pro scouting the pro scouting people play you know uh play a role there too with some mm-hmm. of the the blame when you when you look at the the rays uh you know they went out and got like fairbanks from from texas you know yeah. nobody's ever heard of peter fairbanks and all of a sudden you, they plug him in last year um and he is just a killer from their bullpen now he's hurt this year because yeah. that's what bullpen guys do yeah. but uh you know somebody in the rays pro scouting department uh ferreted out that guy and they targeted him and they do that a lot and so i think you know it, it's kind of an organizational thing like you're saying it's the development but also it's it's the people who are scouring the, uh, the rest of the league too yeah it, it works in concert you're you're the way you scout, the way you develop, all that stuff. Uh, I was thinking too of of Houston. You know, when they first started getting good, even before they were really World Series contenders, they were going out and finding guys and turning them to quality relievers. You know, the the yeah. thinking of uh, was the Peacock fella and yeah. uh, Chris, Chris Davinsky and and Colin McHugh. Colin McHugh, yeah. So, but but this this gets into what we were going to discuss a little bit. The the article at CBS Sports today from R.J. Anderson, who we we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some, uh, I guess, remembering and, and that he used to write at Baseball Prospectus, but he's been kind of a, a mainline uh, CBS sports writer. And, and he came out today uh, with an article that basically said that the Tigers rebuild has failed and that Al Avila is on thin ice. I would say it was, it, it'd be fair to call it scathing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I did. I uh, I wrote an article about that article because that's what we can do at MCB. And yeah, I did call it scathing. It, it was. Oh, you did? Okay. It wasn't, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, it wasn't like uh, a a point by point takedown in extreme detail, but he hit on all the main points that we've talked about for seemingly years on the mm-hmm. podcast and, and, and in private talks. And, and it's, yeah, it goes to the lack of success with other draft picks outside of like top 10, the lack of uh, seeming inability to find elsewhere. In, in the poor trades or in, you know, waiver wire pickups and uh, yeah, just all that. And, and yeah, I, I don't think I, I couldn't really dispute anything he said. I don't know uh, what, what your initial takeaway was. 
Oh, you know, I, I, it, it was definitely that he hit the laundry list. Um, you know, you can throw international uh, amateur yeah. signings in there as well. Um, the, I think the biggest thing, we may even have touched on it briefly a couple of weeks back. You know, what is Avila's calling card? What's his strength? What do you say? Hey, if nothing else, we do that well. What else? Where else can you point to? I don't know what that is, really. Yeah. Um, which is a sad commentary when you've been at a job for six years and been the the number one assistant for how many years before that? Yeah, I mean that, that is one thing that that people don't often mention is that Avila has been here since what two thousand three. I mean, yeah. any any of the issues that the Tigers had back with under Dabrowski, he's you know seemingly had some something to do with them or, or you know oh, i guess you, you could also say that he had something to do with success as well but uh you know since he's been running the show it's we haven't seen much and yeah the and i wrote an article about this a couple of weeks ago that it, that it it just kind of feels like they're treading water at best here that they didn't and i think rj touched on it that it, it basically feels like they've lost the last six years they they've had all this time to build up these assets and get the prospects going and and the system is better certainly it's not it's kind of i guess a paper tiger if you will we, we've talked about it before it's very top heavy and uh and yeah. the the uh, high prospect rankings belie the actual quality of the system yeah it's it's almost to the point like it's so top heavy that they can't afford to be wrong on any of them yeah you know they have they have some mega talents seemingly but if 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 two of them go south all of a sudden they're, they're short of guys they don't they don't they're not going to have it so uh, yeah um, and yeah you, you need that second and third tier of, of talent that you can rely on uh each season yeah and we we know <laughs> we know baseball well enough to know that all these guys aren't going to work out uh you yeah. know it, it's, it's, it's possible none of them become the really like all-star caliber players that we want it, it's right um yeah and, and so that that just it that's the biggest issue is it feels like they've they've done enough to get the farm system better but in the meantime nothing has happened at the big league level they've they've had some mildly interesting players but basically uh, chewed through michael fulmer and matthew boyd and daniel norris they're good they're all going to be done in a year or so unless they extend them jamer candelario looks good but uh who knows if they're going to try to extend them you know uh rogelio wrote a, a piece about that so, uh, yeah, and, and I know it gets tough because there are still fans who want to believe. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't think they're like Al Avila fans. They just kind of want to hope. I think maybe there's a little bit of denial there that, that they're just hoping that this is going to work out because they don't want to face what a failure of a rebuild might mean. Um, yeah, but I think if, the, if I think if there's one thing that we've seen, uh, and maybe this is just from watching other sports and, and rebuilds, but I think you can see around baseball too. If you have somebody who's really with it, they can turn mm-hmm. things around relatively quickly. I mean, we're still talking a couple of years, but yeah. it, it doesn't have to take another six years to, to fix things. Even, you know, even <laughs> if they rebuild again. Well, I mean, you look at the Cubs, you know, when uh, Epstein and McLeod and Hoyer came in, uh, what was the first year they really stripped it down to nothing like 2013 that sounds you about know? right. And, you know, they yeah. were uh, they were a competitive team, I think, three seasons later, and they were in the World Series four seasons later. So uh, it can be done. There's no question. 
Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things, you know, Tigers fans wanted to compare this rebuild. They, they looked at the Cubs, they looked at the Astros and said, hey, we can do that. And mm-hmm. here we are. We're basically at the timeline when those teams were in the World Series <laughs> or competing yeah. for titles. And the Tigers are exactly where they were. So, well, it's, the Astros had like three seasons in a row where they're in the 50s and wins, I believe. Yeah. And then the fourth season, they came up to around, I don't know, 72. Uh, and then the next year, they were in the mid 80s and they were in a wild card. So that was kind of yeah. their progression, but they really bottomed out. I mean, they went like 50 and 112 and yeah, know, they had, but the Tigers went 47 and 114. So, I mean, they, there are some <laughs> parallels on the low end. We just, we're a long way from the high end right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's tough. And, and we try not to dwell on the negative too much, uh, but we started off with the positive. Hey man, it was a good week for the Tigers. And, and that's, they're not in last place anymore. Somehow it's hard to you believe. Know, it, with the thing with baseball, it's, you know, we play, they play every day. We, we always get to look for a new beginning each night. And even a bad baseball team can, can, can suck you right in if they get a little bit of traction, even for a few days. And they had some traction this week. You know, they got four wins in a row and they're playing decent baseball. I mean, they had some defensive miscues and the bullpen stinks, but they're, um, yeah. They're, they're pulling their offense together a little bit out of the hole. And that's been kind of fun to watch. Yeah. That's it's, it's amazing how much more fun it is to watch. <laughs> it's solid baseball that it like, I mean, obviously that's kind of a, a no brainer, but yeah. I, I don't know. I would much rather watch like a five, four game than a three, nothing yeah. game. And I, I have no problem with pitching duels, but when mm-hmm. it's, when it's the Tigers out there get, like scratching out maybe two hits and not walking and striking out 16 times, that's just, that's not fun at all. So, well, they went through a couple of weeks there where they were just so overmatched. They had, you just knew they had mm-hmm. no shot by about the fifth inning. You could see the handwriting. They had no answers. Yeah. <laughs> so this week they've had some answers. So it, it's yeah, it, it, it'll be fun to, you know, if they can keep it up to a certain degree, it'll be fun to dig in and see what, if anything, they've, they've changed really. Uh, the one thing we did have a couple, there were some roster moves this week. The, uh, they cycled through two catchers very quickly and, uh, Rosmo Ramirez, who, who, uh, we hardly knew ye, he got added to the 40 man roster and then got hurt. So <laughs> they, they, you know, we saw them, they designated Buck Farmer for assignment. He cleared waivers and he's back with Toledo. They brought Joe Jimenez back up and he once again got destroyed. And, and it seems like the writing's been on the wall there for a while, but uh, you know, yeah. you're, on, you're yeah. on the 40 man, so they got to use them. Uh, and then we had uh, Wilson Ramos was injured. So they brought up Jake Rogers, which I think a lot of fans like to see. And and I was there for his first game and he, he I think he got a, a big hit in that game and he's looked good on defense mm-hmm. at least so far. His swing is still kind of wild and, you know, he goes down to one knee more than just about anybody I've ever seen. Uh, and then Grayson Greiner gets hurt. So now we have Eric Haas up and he had a nice game today. So it's, it's, they turned over the catchers in one week, but uh, yet the big news there of course was, was to make room for Eric Haas. The Tigers released Franklin Perez, the centerpiece of the Justin Verlander trade. Um, and, and yeah, you know, the handwriting had been on the wall for a long time. I mean, I think even like two weeks ago when they said his shoulder was done, it, it seemed like he's a 2% or less chance of ever seeing the big leagues. Now that he's been released, it sounds bad. They're, you know, they're, they're going to cut on his shoulder. It's just one of those sad, sad stories. Uh, you know, you feel terrible for the guy. Uh, his dream is probably almost gone. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that that's tough about that is, you know, as fans, we can never really know what exactly the Tigers medical staff did for him, what they told him, if they diagnosed him properly, you know, he had years and years of this recurring issues and they were, you know, they were different things, but he basically went to the Dodgers team doctor to get his final mm-hmm. diagnosis. And it's like, what, I mean, like, okay, that's great. Not every team can have an out- outstanding doctor, but you would think that, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it just, it makes you wonder about the uh, training staff for the Tigers. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, maybe that Neil Elatrash. Maybe he's just a shoulder guru. You know. It's, yeah. Uh, for instance, in football, in in Green Bay, Wisconsin, there's this guy. Um, he's a renowned foot and ankle dude, and he's mm-hmm. in Green Bay, and it's nothing for like. I think Patrick Mahomes came to see him, and some yeah. sometimes the cow, there's been cowboy guys come up to see him. So, and, so maybe that's just status quo. I mean, you, they go yeah. to where the best guy is. That's possible. But Doctor Liz Frank. But you're right. But you're yeah. right. We've had a lot of people in, in different sports say, hey, like, for instance, the Raiders say, mm-hmm. players say, hey, the, the medical staff is terrible. Uh, is Detroit yeah. in that? I don't know. Like, I couldn't even yeah, really it, speculate. I mean, it, it did seem for a long time that they were, they largely avoided big pitcher injuries. It, it seemed uh, yeah. they've had their share the last few years. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, but again, it's, it's like it's kind of reckless speculation, but. To see him go to another team, like you said, it, maybe he's just the best, and that's that's the way it is. And the Dodgers, maybe he wants to live in L.A., <laughs> and so the Dodgers <laughs> hired him. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but we did, you know. And I wrote an article about that. And and seeing him released is obviously it's you don't want to see that, but it is largely procedural. They they mm-hmm. have to do that uh, to to get him off the forty man roster. That's what they have to do. They can't, uh, you know, DFA him or whatever or put him on the 60 day deal. So it's entirely possible that he will resign with the Tigers here shortly as a, to a minor league deal and then, you know, get his shoulder worked on and, and see what happens. Uh, but it certainly yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look good for him in the future. And it's, it's a shame because he was the centerpiece of that Justin Verlander trade and he was talented enough and uh, promising enough to, to like make that a decent return at the time. Yep. And Spend, I, I had the... no, I had no issues with the trade, uh, the way the team, where the team was headed, what Verlander's contract situation was. I was hoping they could restock, and yep. obviously that hasn't come about. But you know what's interesting is um, I remember some of the discussion, the little debate we had, I had with some folks. You know, should they have held out for Forrest Whitley or should they have gone Franklin Perez? You know, and Damn. certainly I think a lot of people wanted Whitley, but he's he hasn't sniffed the yeah. majors yet either. Yeah, that's what, that's what I, I was, uh, I, I wrote an article. I said, basically don't, I said, don't blame Alavila for Franklin Perez. Uh, now there are, there are certain ways you could, uh, finesse that to blame Alavila for like blame him for <laughs> not putting a, a good enough team together in 2017 that you had to trade Justin Verlander or trading Justin Verlander yeah. at all, or maybe not putting together medical staff, all that stuff. But in this individual case, yes, they had, because of the the nature of that trade being after the the non-waiver trade deadline, which is right. fortunately right. those two weird distinctions are gone now, but they couldn't trade anybody who was trade for anybody who was on the forty man roster, which included Joe Musgrove, David Paulino, and Francis Martez, who were three other pitching prospects for the Astros. So it was basically it was down to yeah. Whitley and, and Franklin Perez, and they were both really good. But Whitley was like a top ten prospect at the time. Right, but that right. and that goes to show you, though, like you said, it, it's but there's there's 
it's the old saying, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect because you just don't know. I mean, we're seeing it now with uh, there's some pretty negative information coming out about Mackenzie Gore, who's who's yeah. top five prospects seeming like like sure thing. And suddenly uh, he's not throwing enough strikes. His breaking balls aren't going to give uh, get strikeouts. And, and yeah, it's it's just tough. That's it. And that's. <laughs> You just ruined me. I offered Mackenzie Gore to Raj in a trade. Well, maybe you have to delete this. this. (laughs) Maybe our, maybe our editor, Roger, (laughs) will cut it out to, uh, to keep Raleo. But yeah, uh, it it is interesting because he, he, you know, he was getting the talk of can't miss. And uh, now they're talking about, well, there's some heads hanging and hawing about him. Yeah, and you never know. He might figure it out tomorrow. But we've, you know, we've seen it with pitching prospects. We saw it with Daniel Norris and and Michael Fulmer. You see it with, you know, Mize and Scooble and Manning. You know, they don't always work out. Uh, but I don't know if you've uh, just switching a little bit. We'll touch on the the Tigers minors a little bit. I, we're we're a good week into the minor league season. I don't know if you've uh, anything's caught your eye yet, or have you paid attention to anything in particular? Um. Well, I have noticed the, they had a couple games there, especially in Lakeland. We were talking about this earlier, about the robo-umps and the walks. I mean, there was a game where I think the, the Flying Tigers had 11 walks or 12 walks. It was some insane number. Um, and I think I'm wondering, is you know, is that a is that a because of the robo-umps? Is that a, just because they've changed the league a little bit? Uh, who's, in, who's in the league and, and what players are there? Or is it some kind of organizational approach that they're telling these guys, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to be more selective. So that's going to be something fun to see play out over, over the next few weeks. Yeah, you know, uh, in, in Raj was down there at uh, Lakeland. So, but uh, it, uh, it was hoping we got some questions for him about what he saw down there. And unfortunately, you know, he, he's still at the game as we speak. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, largely we've, we've seen some nice, yeah, I mean, we've seen some nice, nice things from Riley Green, uh, which is you know yeah. he's up in Double yeah. A. That, that's quite a leap, and he hit a grand slam, and he's getting getting his hits. He's he's doing about what you would expect uh, a twenty year old with I don't know what do you have twenty games at Low A two years ago. Yeah, uh, he's, he's but he's holding his own, and Ryan Kreidler continues to look pretty solid as well. Couple homers, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a couple home runs, and then. You know, it's beyond that. It's we, we've West Michigan is the the most prospect laden team, and we've seen flashes from Dylan Dingler for certain, and Daniel Cabrera's had a big hit, a couple big hits. Uh, Trey Cruz yep. got injured pretty early. I don't think it's bad, but he's on the injured list. Uh, Parker Meadows is, is you know, it's kind of interesting. He he's a guy. His hit tool was always the big question about him, and yeah. it it doesn't seem like he has issues. Uh, per se, he started off pretty slowly, but he he doesn't seem to have an issue now of, of getting the bat to the ball. He's just mm-hmm. not impa- impacting the ball at all. He's just right. a lot of like, big, yeah. Big athletic kid, he should be able to. Yeah, for sure. He's just kind of, you know, soft fly balls to left field and things like that. So, I don't know, maybe, you know, they always say power is the last thing to come. Maybe he'll figure it out. <laughs> well, again, that goes back to some of the discussion we're having about player development. You know, going back to the article, I mean, what are the steps they're taking with him to to get him more leverage, get more loft angle, whatever it takes uh, for he's producing some power because it's not it's not coming yet. And how many he's got to be up at bat wise over 500 now in the minors. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was so 
he had a full season at West Michigan in 2019. So he probably had mm-hmm. 400 then. So yeah, he's, he's probably getting, getting close to 500. If you count the GCL, maybe over 500. Yeah. Um, That's not a ton yet, you know, but it's, it's, no. it's climbing, you know? Well, and, and it's one of the things where we, we know that Alavila, you know, personally scouted Parker Meadows. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's not terribly uncommon for a GM to go in and look at a guy that they're going to spend a couple million dollars on. But Alavila's background is scouting. That's he's he's been a scout. Uh, he was a scout a long time, and he's probably a pretty good scout. But you do wonder if, like, if you know, he comes up as a scout and says, "Hey, this guy's good. I bet uh, they can turn him into something." And so he still thinks that, but doesn't know how to do the other part where they turn him into something. So <laughs> Fair enough, I, yeah. I don't know, but uh, no, it's, you know, it's been fun. It's been fun to have four, sometimes five games every night uh, in the minors. Well, you know, it was interesting back when, when the Tigers are playing so poorly, I say, man, I can't wait for there to be minor league action. Now the minor yeah. leagues are back and the Tigers are playing a little better. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're playing to hold their jobs now. You're, exactly and right. Vic, yeah. Victor Reyes uh, had a home run and a two run double for Toledo tonight. So, but uh, I suppose give up on Vic. <laughs> yeah. no, he'll be back, of course. Uh, oh yeah. But I suppose I, I don't have uh, I don't have Rogers' uh, neat sound effects, so I can't uh, can't say. Oh, it's time to time to go inside the numbers. I'll sing a song for everybody, but uh, I figure we might as well do that now. We'll we'll hit the segments. So sure, uh, sure. if if you have an inside the number, yep, let's uh, go ahead and hear it. Well, last night I'm watching the Royals broadcast because um, that's what you know. I, uh, that's what I. Well, I'm blacked out here online uh, with Royals baseball, uh, but I can't get their, uh, their Bally's network uh, on satellite. So I was listening to Hudler and uh, they were talking about Mize and they're fairly complimentary of Mize overall from what they've seen. And, uh, but they showed a very cool stat that Mize was one for 24. The league is one for 24 against Mize on inside fastballs. And uh, so and that was number one in baseball and he only gave up two hits last night. So I'm assuming he's still probably number one. So, yeah, I, uh, so. I, I think that's really good. I would like to track that a little more and, and see if that's something that we uh, continue to see because I think he needs that. I think he needs to own that inside of the plate because it seems to me a lot of the trouble that he's gotten into this last year and this year uh, are on the outer half. And if you're going to have trouble on the outer half, you darn well better own the inner half. And uh, I go back to that Houston game where he pitched well, where he went up and in on a few guys. Um, and I think that was important as well to keep people from diving over the plate. So uh, I was really excited to see that stat. And then he, he followed it up with a good game last night. You know, he, he struggled in the first inning, uh, but then he, he settled in pretty nicely and was getting a lot of soft contact. So obviously the strikeout rate, not where we want. But uh, they are, they're not, lately, the contact against them has not been as hard, I don't think, so. Yeah, no, it's been, I think, what, three straight uh, quality starts for him? Three straight yep. six-inning outings, which is, you know, it seemed like his first 10 or 11 starts, he couldn't go more than three or four innings. So, yeah, he's definitely figuring something out here. Hey, mm-hmm. there's a, there's Spencer Torkelson with a single the other way just now at the bottom of the ninth. Um, yeah, that's, that's. <laughs> That's interesting, and it kind of plays into my inside the number, my inside the numbers, which are 6.87 and 17.9%. Those are both numbers relating to Detroit Tigers starting pitchers. 
The 6.87 is their strikeout per nine rate, which is the lowest in the majors by a significant margin. Uh, the, the Rockies are 29th. The Rockies are next at, at 7.68 per nine. So basically, uh, you know, 0.8 strikeouts sure. more. And only five teams are under eight, and the Tigers are there in the sixes. Uh, the Angels lead all baseball with 12.16 strikeouts per nine from their starters. I think Otani kind of throws that off. I was going to say, thank you, Shohei. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the 17.9% is just another way to look at it. That's their strikeout percentage for starters. Yeah. You know, basically, how, how many uh, of the batters Ooh. they strike out, which is, again, the lowest in baseball. Colorado is next at 19.3. And those are the, the only two teams under, under 20%. What's the yeah. league at? The league's got to be 25, I, isn't it? I would think so. The Angels and Dodgers are up over 30%. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> the Tigers have certainly zagged when everybody has zigged. Uh, and yet, as we said, the starting pitching has been decent. It's been, you know, kind of middle of the road. Boyd has been great. Uh, Jose Reina has been surprisingly good. That's the one part of, you know, how long will it last? That That's yeah. that's going to be our, our question. Uh, are they doing it this way because that's the talent they have and it will last because that's what these guys do well? Or are they living on borrowed time? That you know they're they're giving up a lot of contact, but uh, they're yeah. get, they're getting by and having some success. Um, obviously, that could go either way. I have my suspicions, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see them well, get that K rate up, but uh, that's kind of who they are right now, and that's what they're getting by with. But yeah, you know, and, and, and has been tolerable. Yeah, we, we mentioned it before. You know, Mice has been been good the last three turns and Turnbull was good. And, and basically, Tarek Skubal is their top strikeout guy. And he also happens to be their worst starter so far with the highest yeah. strikeout rate and, and the big home run issues. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of no, um, you know, a little bit strange. It's been I, interesting to watch Urania give up some hits and then all of a sudden, boom, double play with two men on, you know. It's yeah, kind of yeah. fun. It, it's fun to yeah. watch because, you know, it's one of those things. If it doesn't work out for him, then eh, you don't get too upset about it because you know he's probably not part of the the long term outlook uh, of whether this is a success or not. You know, three years from now, so it's it's fun to watch him have some success and make it into a somewhat decent signing. Yeah, and and uh, you know we said the one game where he he pitched around five errors behind him was was remarkable. Yeah, uh, that was a great, yeah, that was yeah. great. So I, I'm with you. I'm I'm not entirely sure what to make of this. It. it does seem like a personnel thing basically you just got a bunch mm -hmm. of guys who pitched to contact I, I don't i'm kind of disinclined to say that, that that was the tigers plan and they're executing it but who knows maybe they did I and mean, maybe maybe this is the chris fetter magic that we were hoping for um you know it, it's really interesting on boyd um yeah you know, when you look back at his strikeout numbers um from a couple of years ago which were amazing uh to where he is now that is such a, a, a steep drop you know, um, why is that? What's he doing differently? I mean, we know he's, he's changed his mix a little bit. Uh, De-emphasized fastball some, but uh, it, it's definitely striking. Yeah, and and so I I did. I was, like you, I was a little bit skeptical. So I looked at the numbers, and uh, you know, Tiger starters uh, coming in to today had a 264 batting average on balls in play, which mm -hmm. is low. Uh, although the league this year is, is 282, so yeah, that's super low. And their batting average of, uh, against is 237, which is 23, uh, 23 points below their expected batting average of 260. So, I mean, it, they do seem to be getting fortunate, but it's not sort of, you know, outrageously lucky. So, I don't know. It, it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as the season goes along. 
they have bigger problems, that's for sure, than the starting Yeah, yeah the, the, the bullpen gets plenty of strikeouts. It's just everything else. Uh, the, the whole outs, oh. other outs, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so that, those are our inside the numbers. I suppose now we can move on into the good, uh, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, I, once again, I will let you go first. Well, with the good, I think we're both going to be similar. You know, I, I was going to go with the Tigers getting a sweep, and that was enjoyable to watch. I know you were, you had something similar just there last week of baseball, correct? Yeah, yeah. My good is the Tigers' offense. Yeah, <laughs> Which... Tigers' offense. Well, you know, and it's you know that goes back with the Royals uh, sweeping them. You know, you look at the Royals; they were coming in on an eight-game losing streak. They had to feel like uh, the Tigers popping up on their schedule was a magic elixir for them. And lo and behold, they flew out of town today with an 11 game losing streak. So that's yeah. pretty impressive. Uh, the Tigers took care of business and they, they got a team that was down and they kicked some more sand on them, you know, uh, in their face. So good for the Tigers. Uh, it was, it was an impressive uh, couple of days. Hopefully they can keep that going. Uh, but it kind of, I think it perked up everybody's spirits and Hey, we as fans, at the end of the day, we're fans, you know, um, mm -hmm. we, we do podcasts and we write stuff and that's great, but we're still baseball fans. And um, if you devote yourself to a team, you deserve a little bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't having a whole lot of fun. So this, this, this last four days have been really great. Yeah. And, and, and to look at that even further, you know, they, the first game, they beat up on Brady Singer who had absolutely yeah. dominated them the last time they saw him. So it, it, that's, it's that sort of thing. That's nice to see where you go. Okay. These guys downloaded what he tried to do to them. And, and there were some really, uh, you know, key at bats in this. I, I think of uh, in a kill, Badu at bat where he basically battled back from O2, I think, and, and just would not give in on the fastball inside. And it seems like they, they, start, they started going to the plate with a plan and executing it. And, and yeah, it was nice to see. So, uh, and you know, we're only talking about eight games and part of this is just me striking while the iron is hot. Cause I don't, this feels like it could disappear at any time, but sure, uh, sure. yeah, since last Tuesday, the tigers are hitting 294, 385, 409 as a team. Uh, as, as you said, the power has basically disappeared, but that's the best batting average and on base percentage by anyone over the last week. They, mm -hmm. uh, they have 107 walks this year, and 33 of them have come in the last eight games. So, yeah, wow. they're, they're they're like you said, they're not setting the world on fire, but it's it's so much nicer to watch than them kind of wander around the desert like they were earlier. And and in this last week, the offense uh, just by Fangraphs WAR, they put up one and a half WAR over the past eight games after being mm -hmm. negative 2.5 in the first month plus. So, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like they, it's it's been fun to watch. You know, so much of baseball around the entire sport is short sequence scoring, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a single and a homer, a walk and a homer, you know. Um, yep. Now, and so the Tigers, it's been a little bit more long sequence this week uh, with, you know, three singles and a walk and uh, getting one run <laughs> or two runs. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting uh, just from a fan perspective to watch that a little bit because we don't we don't see that as much anymore. Uh, everything is so short sequence and, and looking for the long ball. Um, and I'm don't get me wrong. I'm a proponent of launch angle and hitting home runs and, you know, three true outcomes. So I'm fine with all of that, but it, you know, every once in a while to get a little diversion and then go the other way. It's been kind of fun. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's definitely nice to see balls in play. That's what people have been saying. Is need, the yeah. Save is the issue. And, and yeah, it, it makes things more fun to see the ball get, uh, you know, hit around the field. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what's your bad for the week? 
my bad isn't too bad yet because he was okay. They, they won both games, but you know, Soto, uh, Greg Soto, last two outings, walked the leadoff man. Didn't bite him last night. Did bite him today, where he had to get yanked a couple batters later. Uh, you know, it's an old saw. You can't mock the leadoff man. You know, but that becomes a a cliche because it's true. <laughs> and it's gonna. Uh, he needs to. Um, Get that under control. I mean, I think he's walked a dozen guys already um, or a short reliever in early May. That's not going to cut it. I mean, he he's an electric arm. He's fun to watch. He, he, he gets out of most jams, but you can't play with fire that often and, you know, not get singed. And he got singed a little today, but they, they worked out of it and Fulmer came in and slammed the door. That's, uh, yeah, 13 walks in 16 innings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I would be fascinated to to look at his numbers when he's this year at least when he's coming in as as a middle reliever versus when he's a closer. It just seems like for whatever reason when he, when it's his job to close the door, he just can't get it done. Uh, it's I it, there's something mental there, and and you know he's giving up more hits and and walking guys at a greater rate than I, he did last year, and it's it's yeah it's kind of hard to figure. And I think it's very possible. Now, I do think that that AJ Hinch loves having Ma- uh, Michael Fulmer as kind of like just his bullpen savior, if you will. He, he brings him in yeah. whenever he needs him the most. But uh, yeah, but if that weren't the case, I think Fulmer would probably have taken over the closer duty by now. But I think Hinch just—he's just so valuable to Hinch in any role that he's going to yeah. use him whenever he can. But well, uh, yeah, when you, got a team, when you got a team that's at the bottom of the standings, like the Tigers, you can be unconventional. You just can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can live with a guy in the ninth if the other guy can be sprinkled in where you need him. Um, and, you know, Soto is on the right team uh, because he's got high-end talent. Uh, he's going to have some issues, but the Tigers, with where they are, they can afford to let him work those issues out, And whether it's the ninth inning or the seventh inning or wherever they end up doing it. But there's just no question that walker has got to come down. Yeah, it, it just it, yeah, you can't be putting two men on per inning as a closer this is uh, it's not tenable um and how, how about an ugly do you have an ugly for us this week yeah my ugly was uh, t- uh one that ended up being to the tigers benefit hunter dozier of the royals uh that last out he made today in the eighth inning he is now on an 0 for 30 death spiral uh, so uh and this week against the tigers it seemed like every at bat at least every other at bat he came up with two men on base and he was the tigers savior uh got him out of a lot of innings uh, so I, you know, I was no great ball player, but I don't remember an over 30 slide and I don't know what that would feel like, especially, you know, obviously at the major league level, I have no idea what that feels like, but that's gotta be just a lonely feeling, uh, to know that you, <laughs> you basically got about seven, eight games worth of at bats and you, you got a big donut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a game of failure, but nobody wants to fail that much. Uh, and, and, you know, it's professional uh, major leaguers are, are generally speaking built uh, differently in terms of uh, their mental ability to handle that sort of thing. But it still has to get to just about anybody. I'm sure they talk yeah. about how I was getting to Miguel, Miguel Cabrera when he was, what, 0 for 27 or something like that. You know, this is a, oh, a Hall of yeah. Fame hitter. And uh, you're just so used to doing something well and then have it not happen. It's, it's got to be rough. Um, what do you so, think of so, Cabrera right now? 
You know, he seems to be back, and in, in, we've seen this over the last couple of years where he'll go on these kind of pro, prolonged slumps, and he gets back to becoming basically an opposite field slap hitter. Yeah. And, th- and then at some point shortly thereafter, if he stays healthy, he'll manage to dial it back in, and he'll start hitting home runs. Uh, I don't know how many. But I do feel like he's he's probably a week or so away from randomly turning on a pitch and hitting it 420 feet, and that's going what? What? All right, he can still do that. Yeah, I think definitely, if especially if it's a hanging curve, I think he's going to yep. ambush a couple of those. I, I think you're right about that. But I do wonder, just the way he's slapping at the ball and the way he's running, what do you think the over under is on doubles for the rest of the year? <laughs> oh yeah, I give him. What's that? I didn't hear what, what you put do, it at. Do you think he can get 10 doubles? Uh, more than he has right now or total? I don't know. Does he have any? Total. Yeah. Total. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. You know, I think he can just because, because of Comerica, I think he will hit a couple yeah. into the Bermuda triangle where he can kind of stroll the second or, or hit him down the line. Uh, and also even with his injuries and where he's, clearly hobbled he he doesn't lack for effort he enjoys playing and he will he will run to second even if his his uh, legs don't want him to or the team doesn't want him to so i think he'll get there but you know i think it's gonna be close and it's kind of a bummer that we even have to uh question it well it's Um, it's nice that he's just at least he's for the last few days he's come back to play some presentable baseball because it was getting hard yeah it's it's Unfortunately, and I, I think it was poorly timed for him because it was right after the Angels or right as the Angels were releasing out Pujols and everybody's like, oh, all right, you're next. And it's like, yeah, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll finish up with with, with my bad and yes, my ugly. Yeah. My bad. You remember, my good was the Tigers offense. My bad is the Tigers defense, which uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, it was one of the few bright spots on the team. You know, they were one of the best teams by defensive runs saved. And now they're the worst team in baseball by Fangraph's uh, defensive metric. Uh, and it's by a wide, wide margin at fan graphs. They're at negative 16.2. And the next worst team is the angels at negative 9.1. And if you're curious, the brewers are the best at 10.2. Um, but Hey, if we go by defensive run saves, the tigers are merely the fourth worst team in baseball at negative 10. And they're tied for 19th with negative two outs above average at, at baseball savant. So, Hey, mm. you know, they're below average to terrible. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Good room has looked a little sloppy this week. Yeah, you know, he's he's made a handful of errors and there was that one mm-hmm. was it that was that game against the Royals where the defense just kind of collapsed there and it was was strange. He's still by the numbers still their best defender, mm-hmm. but it's it, it has come down in the last week. Uh the biggest culprits are kind of who you might suspect uh you know Wilson Ramos, the Castros and and Jonathan Scope, which again uh kind of leads to the question like what what the hell are we doing here? Why why yeah. Why do they bring Jonathan Scope in and then just have him play first base? I mean, I, I guess, I mean, Renato Nunez isn't great. It's a first baseman, at least. And they got Willie Castro, who, who you know, he, he couldn't play shortstop. He doesn't look all that good at second base either. And he's another guy who I wonder if the defensive issues are, are coming into play at the bat. He's a guy who I could see, you know, just getting a little tune-up down in Toledo at some point soon. And it just, you know, I, I don't – go ahead. Uh, even his throws. I mean, he made a throw the other day that ended up getting caught. Uh, it was yeah. like he, was, he was turning a double play, and, man, he threw a screwball. I mean, 
I couldn't believe, you know, they had a really good angle of it. I mean, that thing curved a long way. And uh, yeah. Cabrera, Cabrera reeled it into his credit. That was pretty nice. Yeah. But uh, it was just one of those that was, you know, inches from a disaster. Yeah, it just it, – I, I feel like he's too – way too in his head – when it comes to the defense, it's it's like he gets the ball and he has to go through a checklist of where, like what he's supposed to do. And, and it just doesn't seem natural with him. And I say, you know, just throw him in the outfield. Uh, maybe not immediately in Detroit, but I, I don't, I'm not seeing a whole lot from Nomar Mazzara. I mean, you probably give him another month or so, but I, I, I don't know if, if there's much there. And uh, I don't think it would be a huge deal to designate him at some point. And then, clear out some space, maybe put mm-hmm. Castro in the outfield, uh, get get scope back to second, or maybe bring up Isak Paredes if he's hitting well. So yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's just a kind of a tangent based on their their poor defense at the point. And, and my ugly, I'll stay away from the Tigers this time, is the Minnesota Twins, who we kind of started the show with. Mm-hmm. Somehow, someway, the Twins have the worst record in baseball, worse than the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's kind of strange because they're – by war, they have the fourth best offense in baseball. A lot of that is, is Byron Buxton, who is unfortunately injured right now. Uh, but when he was playing, he was, you know, playing at a Mike Trout level. Yep. But uh, but then you see, you look at the pitching, and it's not hard to see what's going on. Their bullpen ranks twenty eighth uh, ahead of only Arizona and Detroit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but remember, the Twins were kind of expected to be contenders for the division. Absolutely. To, to have one of the worst bullpens in baseball is not, I think, what they wanted. They're their closer has given up a lot of runs. I think Rogers pointing out the other day that they they've been outscored nineteen to one in the ninth inning this year. Wow! Okay. Uh, and you and, know, and they're usually they're usually another team that pieces together some anonymous bullpens. But mm-hmm. you know, like we were talking about earlier, they usually have some guys who you know you really don't know a whole lot about, and all of a sudden they've pitched forty innings and got a you know a two eighty ERA or whatever. So uh, yeah, you're, yeah, that's not the case this year. There's various various Rogers people and and field yeah. bars and yeah they're so they're 28th this year and their starters are 24th and and what to me you know it'd be one thing if their offense were just underperforming but mm-hmm. to have an offense that good like that was expected to be their strength uh, I it's hard to picture their starting pitching or their pitching at all coming back and really I mean they've they've got some talent there but there's no real uh, uh, beyond Barrios and, and, and Maeda, but Maeda's having a rough year, so that they just don't have that real ace. And yeah, is really he's been giving up a ton of contact, a lot of power. Uh, he's already, I think, last year he gave up something like forty hits for the year. I mean, some yeah. insanely low number. He's already, you know, I think past that or, or right on the verge of it. Uh, we're in early May, and uh, you know. The, the White Sox lit him up for some home runs the other night. And uh, uh, I think we're seeing what last year, he basically plowed through the central division start after start after start. And that might've been a little bit of a mirage. Yeah. Uh, that's, so you didn't have to face a lot of the better teams around baseball. That's a good point. I didn't even, it, it, so weird, you know, a year ago, I guess a year ago, yeah. we were still wondering if there was going to be baseball and, uh, and it's kind of, Hard to remember that they basically just played all central teams, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, also, it's gonna be interesting that the twins have a fairly okay farm system. I mean, you know, will they go out and get some pitching? You know, that's gonna be, uh, or are they gonna fall far enough behind the White Sox where they're not not gonna invest in this season? 
so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. They could be sellers. They could try to say, I mean, they've got Jay Happ, I think, right? And he's pitching well, and, and Michael Pineda has been pitching well. So it's 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 strange. Nelson it's, Cruz. Somebody Nelson would want Cruz, Nelson Cruz, I imagine. Somebody would probably want Josh Donaldson. I mean, they, they've got – I don't know how much longer his contract is. I think it was just last year and this year. I think so. But, um, yeah, so – I don't know. It just unexpected, and we're getting close to that forty-game mark. Doesn't necessarily mean that the season's over for him, but uh, generally speaking, you don't want to be twelve and twenty-three. <laughs> you don't want to be. You want to be looking up at the tigers. No, <laughs> no, not this. Not, certainly not these tigers. So, so that's uh, that's our good, bad, and ugly. That's uh, and that's pretty much our show. I don't know if there's anything else we want to touch on. I I, uh, I was chatting with you a little bit in in our Slack because I went to a high school baseball game yesterday. I went to yeah. to go see. Orchard Lake St. Mary's, which is uh, partially coached by our good friend Brian Sikowski from Perfect Game. And, and Orchard Lake St. Mary's has uh, probably the most talented high school baseball team I've ever seen in the state of Michigan. They've got headlined by Alex Mooney, the probable first rounder uh, shortstop, who apparently the Tigers uh, have, have been in to watch, which I don't know if that necessarily tells us much because, of course, they're going to go see the kid who's 15 minutes away. Uh, sure. But but uh, they also have Brock Porter, who is a pitcher who could be a first-round pick next year. Supposedly, been is uh, hit 98 this year as a junior in high school, which actually which actually scares me. Uh, but yeah, they've they've got a half dozen kids committed to like legit Division One schools, uh, and it was just, it was kind of fun to, to to go see that and, and watch. Uh, I was telling did, you, did, you know, that. Oh, did Mooney stand out to you athletically? Not not particularly. Uh, okay. you know, it's, it's always tough to, you know, I didn't game. get there. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really zero in on, uh, during infield or batting practice. And, and, you know, it's tough. The one thing I took away from it is that he knows the strike zone, uh, and he knows what the strike zone should be. And the, the umpire was given about 12 inches either side of the plate. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a massive strike zone. And it was funny because he actually, at one point, I don't know, he was getting, uh, or he thought he was in the Catholic League or, or getting a little amped up, but he actually punched out Alex Mooney on strike two. There was a curveball that Mooney oh. took, and he, he he struck him out, and then Alex Mooney turned around, he's like, that's two, that's strike two. So, yeah. Uh, I'd be lying if I say I have not had that happen to me, but I'm. Well, it, it has happened to me. <laughs> yeah, you it, it that, seems. You make that big move, and you're like, oh, that's strike two. I've yeah, it's it seems I can see I can see you know happen to just about anybody. But uh, he did he you know he he had the bat speed. He turned on a ball and, and basically hit a home run foul, which you expect mm -hmm. uh, from from these kind of uh, talents in a high school. You know he's probably facing eighty three mile an hour fastball or something like that. But uh, yeah, that that's to me that's always one of the things about scouts, you know, is being able to tell uh, when when a, when a kid is facing inferior competition. Uh, but you can suss out that, Hey, that's, that's real. That's legit what this guy's doing, even though he's facing yeah, like you say, a 79 mile an hour heater. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, and he, he ended up, uh, I think he, he had a deep fly ball to center field and then he hit two really hard line drives, one to first base that he kind of waited on and one to third base. And in both, both of those, he basically knocked the defender off his feet and, and reached base <laughs> nice. because he just hit it too hard. So, I mean, you, I, I think, so, you know, if I didn't know who he what, was, what, I think he would have st st uh, stood out just from hitting the ball hard. But it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is a Babe Ruth effort. Yeah, I'm going to be inter interested. And let's say let's say let's just kind of look. Let's say the Tigers are interested in him 
And he is a guy who lasts into the 30s. And let's say they do draft a high school kid, number three, whether it's, you know, like Meyer or House or whoever. Mm-hmm. You, could you see them going back-to-back high school backs that early? Uh, it would be very unusual, yeah. particularly if they're both shortstops. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't think so, but – you know, the, I think the one thing we've seen from the Tigers, at least last year, was they they did seem to go very much best player on the board for them. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I, I, I don't. I still question whether they had Trey Cruz as ranked ranked as highly as they did. I mean, he's yeah. a solid prospect, but I, I would have thought that maybe Workman went before him. But in any event, you know, they 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 went and took a bunch more infielders after taking a bunch of infielders year before. So I think, I think if that's the way their board shakes up, that's probably what they would do. I think it's more interesting to, you know, the pitching is, is pretty interesting this year. We've already seen. So the number three arm probably in Gunnar Hoagland is down for the year with, with Tommy John surgery. Uh, yep. We saw Jaden Hill, who was a potential top 10 pick coming into the year is down for the year with Tommy John surgery. So it's kind of hard to figure who the, the third college arm is going to be. And we've seen Jack Leiter uh, got hit around in his last two outings and then had a start scratched. They said it was, you know, load management, but it was a very late decision, which, which makes you wonder. Yeah. And then very fishy. There's no question about it. And the Kumar Rocker, his stuff was down for a while. He seemed to come back. And then he had this bizarre outing in last weekend where he gave up uh, six runs, I think, and walked six or seven people, but also struck out 13. It was, uh, I think I called it a vintage Nolan Ryan performance. Um, yeah. And so th- there's there's a, there's a small but seemingly growing segment uh, of the, the draft followers who believe that actually Jackson Job, the high schooler who from Oklahoma, I believe, Yep, might yep. might be the best arm, uh, regardless of you know high school, college, and the entire class, which is uh, very very interesting. You uh, you know high school pitching is so risky, uh, sure, but sure. but I mean he's a guy who's supposedly been up to ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, and has a three thousand RPM slider, and it's like well that's kind of tempting. So I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next two months leading up to the well, draft. As those, if if indeed the Vanderbilt pitchers. They play on the bigger stage than the high school guys, obviously. So I always think they're going to get nitpicked uh, in the mock drafts and, and, and the people who are, are you know writing at athletic and all those sort of things. They get nitpicked a little bit more because they're just more visible. Um, mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting that if, if on the major league level, if those scouts and draft people, if they're getting docked a little bit, because this whole time we've been under the assumption the Tigers are going to have their choice of at least one of those high school soft uh, shortstops yeah. if they decide to go that route. I don't know. I, I, the way I look at it now, I mean, could Lawler and Meyer go one, two, and the Tigers are aced out of that. Um, they're still having, you know, there's still going to be a good player there, but mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people, you know, we've talked about Marcelo Meyer and uh, 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 he's been mocked to the Tigers in a bunch of different places. Uh, I'm almost to the point I was getting my heart set on him a little bit, but now I'm a little bit worried that he goes at number two. And now Detroit's looking at one of the bandy pitchers or Brady House or somebody, Henry Davis. Yeah, no, I think that's a very plausible scenario at this point. And, and it, not just because of, I mean, they're obviously very talented, but we know that sometimes things get a little interesting at the top of the draft. And, and yeah, I mean, who, you would think, who wants what money? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I could, I could picture 
uh, uh you know lawler meyer one two and then the tigers are like going well, well do we do we bite the bullet on one of these pitchers i mean do we, are we do we consider ourselves lucky or are we worried about these guys or, or do they go with brady house and brady house is is very interesting i i'm not a huge fan of his swing from when i've seen it mm-hmm. but he's got he's he's a, tr- a tremendous athlete who everyone assumes that he's going to move off shortstop because he's so big but he's yeah. He's athletic enough that he might be able to make it work, uh, at least for he's a few years. He's got a monster years. arm. He's got, he's got a really a, great arm. He throws 95. Yeah, huge arm and and big power potential. It's just, you know, it's about the hit tool. And that's what always scares me with the Tigers because that's just the one thing that they can't seem to develop. But uh, yeah. I guess, well, not the one thing they can't seem to develop, but it seems like they never do develop the hit tool. So, but yeah, yeah it'll yeah. be. It, Is he going to be a 240 guy or a 275 guy? You know, that's. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been fun to to follow, and I, I agree with you. I think most of the smoke seems to be pointing to Meyer to the Tigers, which uh, you know think of the think of the marketing opportunities for Meyer Thrifty Acres. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and you, I don't know if you saw uh, Keith Law, who I go back and forth on how big a fan of Keith Law I am. I'm sure he's a nice man. <laughs> I think but, most people. Uh, are. Yeah, uh, he he moved Henry Davis up to his number one prospect in the draft this year today. And I think he pretty left himself some wiggle room that you know it's going to change a lot over the next couple of months. But uh, that guy's having a big year at Louisville, no question about it. Yeah, we, we were talking about uh, a guy who's been basically the best hitter in college baseball all season. Uh, when yep. you combine combine controlling the strike zone, hitting for average, hitting for power, and he's going to stick a catcher. And you know, he's not the world's best receiver, they say, in terms of you know you know soft hands framing balls and stuff like that but there's general consensus that that may not matter in the next few years and he's got uh probably a 70 grade arm which is probably mm-hmm. the more important thing so yeah it, it's uh and he's i think he's also a guy who's played elsewhere before maybe not so mm-hmm. much in college but he's he's athletic enough to to maybe handle an outfield corner so I can see it. I can see it. We've seen Joey Bart go second a couple of years ago. You saw, you know, Adley Rutschman, obviously, but he was kind of a, a different, different caliber player. But and Joey Bart kind of he kind of came on strong those last six or seven weeks before the draft. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't looking. He was not getting any discussion at in, in at number two until very late in the process. So it no. could happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He had a bunch of power that year, and the stories started coming out about him. Uh, oh, he calls his own game, and he's a great leader, and all this stuff. What you want as a catcher, and, and yeah, there you go. He went second overall. So yeah, I mean, I could see Davis uh, being a pick. I mean, we we talked about you know the Tigers went after Dingler last year in the second round, and he looks pretty good so far. So would they go for a catcher again? Again, I think you take the best player, the, the guy who you think is going to be the best. So if that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. I mean, I think you talked about Dingler too. He he probably has the athleticism to do something else. Oh, absolutely! As a you know, he split time playing center field in college. You could you would think that yeah. that guy could could at least handle an outfield corner. Yeah, uh, just to me, get the bat, get the guy you can hit. Whether it's power, I mean, has the has the batting skill that you want in your organization, and as long as they're not a complete train wreck in the field, we'll figure out somewhere to play them. That that's how I would approach it anyway. I I'm 100% with you. In fact, I was just I, I just the other day shared the same sentiment with our, our buddy Harris Frommer, Uh mm-hmm. where you see you see people care, compare Meyer uh, his swing a little bit to Riley Green's swing. Uh, at least not necessarily that you know they're not the same mechanics, and, and Meyer doesn't have the kind of visible power 
that, that Green did, but they're both considered maybe the most advanced hitter in the high mm-hmm. school class. And and I always say, you know, that's what the Tigers should do. They should stick to guys who can hit, who they know can hit, so they don't have to yep. tweak anything. And, and that's why I was saying there's another kid, a uh, kid by the name of Dalen Lyle, who I believe is from Kentucky or he's headed to Kentucky. And uh, okay. he's not he's not the world's best athlete. He's not going to be a center fielder in college ball or pro ball, but he can just hit. He's an outfielder and he hits and he's going to hit. And it's like, you know what? Uh, give me that kid at 32 or 38 too. Just give me the kids who can hit and we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Just like you said. So, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing, we'll, we'll have a whole bunch of uh, draft content coming up at Motor City Bengals here, I think in the near future and, and maybe some mock drafts and I know it, it's fun for me and, I, you, mm-hmm. you seem to be into it too, so I'm looking forward to discussing that. But uh, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll go ahead and get out of here now. We're after we're at about an hour and a hour and five minutes or so. And perfect. Uh, ho- hopefully, people dug this episode, the uh, the Rogelio less episode. He'll be back next week, almost certainly. And yeah, uh, we gotta actually, have our leader back. Yeah, and I'm I'll, I'll be out head. I'm heading to West Michigan with those guys tomorrow and Saturday. To uh, we'll be oh, there with with Roger and and Jake Bose and James Chipman, and we're gonna catch some uh, Whitecaps baseball and maybe I'll see Spencer Torkelson's first home run. I, I, you know what? I'm going to make a prediction. You are going to see <laughs> Spencer's first home run. All right. There you go. Well, sounds good. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'd be a little league homer, but uh, all right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining us. And again, like we said, uh, you know, follow us on all your various podcast listening platforms and go ahead and rate and review the show. That always helps. Right. So uh, sure. until next, next week, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>